All right, guys, welcome back to the Business Shift podcast. I am very excited because we've got Gabby Decker joining us. Gabby is the owner and CEO of Good Commerce Marketing Agency in Vancouver. Uh, Gabby built Good Commerce to digitally assist business owners through marketing and advertising strategies in 2017, but her roots in marketing date back well before she established her company um, through her experience as an e-commerce consultant for some of the most significant and influential brands on Shopify Plus, Gabby learned that the foundational advice she was providing to large-scale clients was applicable to smaller businesses, which is perfect for the audience today as we're talking to solopreneurs. Um, this was a niche that she was interested in working with. And so nearly six years later, Good Commerce has grown to employ 15 plus people and focuses on DTC brands in the health and wellness industry by providing clients with custom built websites in Shopify and WordPress. Gabby and the team proudly provide ongoing strategic marketing advice to help scale each brand they partner with. So I cannot wait to bring her on and get into all of the juicy questions. So let's go ahead and cue that intro and then we'll, we'll jump on. Welcome to The Business Shift, the podcast for online entrepreneurs who are focused on making the shift to business owners. We talk about what it takes to build and grow a thriving digital empire and the transition required as you grow. This is a shift I chose to make in my own business, your client success, and one you'll want to consider making as you grow from solopreneur to business owner. Please share and enjoy. Gabby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I cannot wait to dive into your story and your expertise. Um, I was looking through and I was uh, like inviting you on for the podcast and was like, no better person than to bring on you who has started, okay, it was just solo and now you have over 15 plus people on your team. And so I'm like, oh yes, this is going to be perfect. So can you tell me a little bit about that first beginning of your journey when it was just you and what that kind of looked like for you. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was in a really unique position because I was coming off of working at Shopify Plus. Um, and obviously, so I still had all of my friends there who yeah. um, were still working with Plus clients and things like that. Um, and so my first client ever, I think, if I recall, um, was Radio Shack. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's wild because I remember like telling everybody that we had, that I'd gotten Radio Shack and they were just like is that still around because in Canada that's my right? thought yeah yeah like it was such a big deal back in the 90s like yeah. probably early 2000s um but yeah by the by the time we were working with them they were only in the US and only online um and they just needed some help with some of the uh some of the like marketing issues that they had some yeah. stuff around attribution and, and different marketing campaigns as far as our email campaigns as well yeah. um so that was kind of like our first client i remember kind of like sitting at tim hortons this probably isn't applicable to like 90 percent of your audience but <laughs> sitting at tim hortons in those early days like working on those email campaigns yeah um, yeah it was it was a wild time but very fun that's awesome. So what kind of led you into creating your own thing and then getting to that point where you're like, all right, it's time to bring on people. Um, because something that, that a lot of people in this audience struggle with is going, okay, I know I've been told that I need a team, that I need to hire all of these things, 
but they it's too nerve wracking. They go, I'm not going to hire the right person. What if I have to fire this person? How do I yes. make sure they're a good fit? Okay. So what was your, what was your journey to kind of going, okay, I'm going to make this thing my own. And then I validated the offer enough to finally bring on some team members. Yeah. I think like in those, in those very early days, even pre getting that first client, pre getting Radio Shack, which did actually happen very quickly. Yeah. Um, I think my, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. So I actually got fired from Shopify. It's a bit of a, it was a wild time, but <laughs> here we are today. So no regrets, Yeah. Um, but I did get fired from Shopify. And I always knew like at Shopify that like when I left Shopify, I would be uh, a consultant. Um, it just, yeah. it made sense. I was so passionate about the businesses that I was working with. Yeah. Um, and so I, and I was so in, and like, that was the, the most wild part at the time is that like, I was so in, I was so into like, um, just doing a really incredible job. Right. But, uh, guess I wasn't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, and no, <laughs> and, yeah, there was a little bit of drama around it as I'm sure they're like, is with so most things. Things, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I knew that as soon as I left Shopify, I was going to be a consultant. So I, I got fired and two hours later, I had signed up to be a Shopify partner oh, um, wow. and had kind of started the business for all intents and purposes. Like that was yeah. the catalyst for me starting GDC. Um, good commerce. Um, such but- a short period of time. And I love that because I think you know, when there's times in uh, your journey as an entrepreneur, you get knocked down and things don't go as planned, but people have such a hard time like transitioning and they go, oh, months, years later, I finally made that shift. What kind of made it so then you were able to go, okay, two days later, we're making this thing happen. Sure. Two hours later. Two hours later. Wow. Okay. Two hours later. Yeah. That's a super like quick turnaround. (laughs) Yeah. It was insane. It was insane. Um, what was the shift uh, or yeah, I guess at that point, uh, I just knew that that was the next thing I was going to do. I yeah. also was just so passionate about my job. I cared so deeply yeah. um, that it didn't make sense for me to do anything else. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I thought I was pretty good at my job. There were some technical aspects that I wasn't great at, um, which I know today, uh, yeah. So like very, very highly technical things. I'm not the person to answer that. I'm not the person to kind of like solve those problems. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think like from my perspective, I had found the thing I was interested in, in working on and the thing that right. kind of kept me engaged. And so they decided that they didn't, that it wasn't right for me anymore, but I hadn't decided that it wasn't right for me anymore. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I had decided that it absolutely, that it was very right for me. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to just keep doing this. And I think like the other thing to keep in mind is that we had recently had a, like a company wide retreat where we yeah. went and they had shown like, here's how much Shopify is making. Um, and then here's how much Shopify partners are making. And I remember sitting in that seat being like, I'm working at a company that's making, like that's doing the thing, right? Like it's making the platform. Um, But I'm just like a cog in the wheel here, number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, like they're not even making as much as the partners are making. Like the partners is where all the money is. So it's just like, I'm working 
what I thought was pretty hard. Yeah. Um, for just like a very small amount of that yeah. versus if I just transferred to being a partner, it just made so much more sense to me. So yeah, yeah. so I think like one of the things that I, like I've had a lot of friends who have um, been interested in starting businesses ever since I did. And of right. course I'm the person that they talk to. And that's the thing that always comes up. It's just like, well, you were like, you were so lucky because you, you got fired, but like, I have to like make the decision to leave. So right. I do look back at that and think that it was such a blessing and yeah. Yeah. It was just such an obvious, it wasn't even a decision. It was just the next step. And I was just taking it. Right. So then when was that moment in time when you shifted to, okay, now let's make this a business where I bring on people and we're yeah. now paying people. When was that shift and, and what were the kind of first steps that you did to start to go through that process? Yeah. The shift in my mind probably happened sitting in, in Tim Hortons working on those email. <laughs> um, yeah. Just because I, I knew that I was very good at the consulting side of things. Yeah. And um, when it comes to kind of like the nitty gritty details, that's not my forte. Right. Um, so like, am I like a really thorough tester, for example? Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. Like, am I going to click on every link in an email campaign every single time? No. And, and it's something that needs to happen. Right. So right. I can see both of those things. I'm very much a big picture thinker. So when yeah. it comes to kind of like those nitty gritty details, um, that's not where I thrive at all. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I was working on those email campaigns that I was like, oh, I'm going to need a copywriter. And yeah. kind of along the same time, I had been doing some um, promotional work for Small Business BC, um, which is just kind of, um, it's like a government organization that helps people locally here. Right. Um, and I had met a guy who was able, who was like their copywriter and he had additional capacity. So um, he was my first contractor, I think. Yeah. I think he was, but along the same, along the same timeline, um, Radio Shack was our first client, but they absolutely weren't our only client. Yeah. We also had like um, a deodorant company called Hippie Pits. Um, they were one of our first, our first like website client was um, a naturopath in Toronto called uh, NatCan Integrative. Um, they were our first web client and uh, we just did like redid their site because they opened another location. So they kind yeah. of had different needs for their website. Um, so yeah, it just kind of grew from there. Um, and I was able to do a lot of the work, but right. there were so many things that I just needed help with. So development was a big one. And in our very early days, my, my big marketing strategy for good commerce at the time it was called, uh, GD Commerce. Yeah. So I, often, I often in my brain shorten it to GDC. Um, but yeah, in those early days, social media was a huge part of my my strategy. Right. Um, it was like foundationally built on social media and uh, search engine optimization. Yeah. Um, but because of those things, yeah, I just needed I just needed some more help. Um, yeah. There's only one of me and we had all of this client work and we still need to be marketing ourselves. So, you know what? I don't actually think he was my first copywriter. I think I had a copywriting team and the, the 
one of the people I had gone to university with. Oh, um, so that was nice actually, connection. yeah, I think that was actually my, my technical first hire. Yeah. Um, I hired somebody to help with social media somewhere in there. I had also hired a developer, maybe at the very beginning, I had hired a developer to help develop the websites. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of contractors in those early days yeah. uh, just because I needed, I needed support, but I didn't have the money for salaries. Right. And, and that, that was something I was going to ask you. Did yeah. you ever feel like you had that pressure to uh, pay people that you were, that kept you from hiring? Because I've heard that objection before is that I'm not going to hire because what if I don't have the revenue to pay these people? Was that something that you ever experienced? Yeah, that's the constant thing. <laughs> that's the constant thing I experience. Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, that is, I and, I and I think like one of the one of the questions that you had kind of posed before we yeah. started this was, you know, like what's the difference between um, between an entrepreneur and a and a business owner? Right. And I think like when I'm looking at, I think we have to address that before we address anything else. Yes. Yeah. I, I think like when we're looking at an entrepreneur, for me, that's like very much a starter of something. Yeah. Right? So it's someone who like um, is very innovative and it's someone who has like the vision to leave something better than they found it. Right. Um, and there's somebody who's very involved in the day-to-day -day of operations or of like making that thing happen. Yeah. Um, so to me, like an entrepreneur doesn't actually have to be associated with business ownership. Um, mm. For me, you could be an entrepreneur within a company. Um, mm. It's someone who kind of like has a vision for, for something to be better. That's cool. Yeah. And then like wants to execute that. Um, so yeah, like it, it's very much to me, very associated with starting something, um, right. or growing something. Uh, but the outcomes are very tied to that like one person. Whereas to me, a business owner, um, to me, it's like the ownership portion right. of uh, a business owner. And I think with that comes a whole lot of risk because yeah. with any investment, like as soon as you're considering business owner, you're not considering this is the thing that I'm doing as my job, you're saying like, this is an investment. Into Ooh, I love that wording. Yes. This is an investment into the thing I'm building. Yeah. Uh, and so like, again, back to entrepreneurs, like somebody who I would describe somebody who gets a lot of external funding to start their business. That to me is an entrepreneur rather than a business owner, regardless, like um, if like, it, it's more tied to like how they're paying themselves. How do they like, how do they view the financials for the business? Like, right. um, are there retained earnings, those types of things. Um, so yeah, so ownership to me is tied more with risk, more with um, like actual ownership of the business. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of viewing the business, like the business as its own separate entity, uh, yeah. you have to think like, who are, who are the people who are actually like implementing that work? Right. Um, who, like, who are these outcomes tied to? Um, it's usually the team and it's usually processes. Yeah. And so instead of thinking like, okay, these are the things that have to get done within the company. I have to do X, Y, and Z. You're like, 
the mindset shift becomes like, okay, who am I getting to do X, Y, and Z? What do I have to communicate to them so that they can get X, Y, and Z done? What supports do they need to be able to get those things done? Right. Um, what is my role in this? Am I able to pull myself out of this entire thing and still have it exist? Yeah. Most business owners, huge business owners, um, we have like some like local families, for example, that own yes. a lot of the businesses here in town. And I'm sure that exists in every single city. Right. Yeah. Um, but those families are not involved in the day to day operations of each yeah. of the businesses. Um, like here in Vancouver, the, the Vancouver Canucks, the hockey team, yeah. is owned by the Aquilini family. Well, the Aquilini family owns a lot of things. Right. I, I don't have any thought process that they're showing up at the Canucks or showing up at the stadium and being like, okay, guys, like, how are we serving? We've got to clean in the stadium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's not how that's going to be. So, like, what processes did had to be put in place to be able to, like, build that? And, like, are you creating the processes as a, as a business owner? Are you hiring somebody to create those processes? Like, it's just, it's almost like a separate entity, whereas, like, entrepreneur is so tied to yourself. Hmm. Yeah. So what if you built your business as an entrepreneur where you have tied it to yourself, your product is tied to yourself. I think yeah. a lot of like coaching programs, like where you're the one giving the expertise on um, right. how do you make that shift then and go, okay, like I want to go to be a business owner, but my sure. whole business is built around me. So do sure. you have any tips or suggestions as far as like, what are those first steps towards moving towards being a business owner? Sure. Yeah, I think I think that particular example, the like coaching is very difficult because it, yeah. it is so tied to you. Right. Um, uh, but I can kind of like I can speak more broadly to the concept, I guess. Um, for me, there was like a very much a very intentional shift when we yeah. went from um, when we went from GDC being a, a part of me. To GDC being a part of, to, to being its own thing. Its and, own thing, yeah. Um, there was a legality that was tied to it, and then there was also um, an entire brand that that went alongside of that. So, so you made it legal by getting an LLC, I'm assuming, or something along those lines. Yeah, it's similar in Canada, but different. Right. Uh, yeah. So pr previously, I was. Um, functioning as a sole proprietor, yes. which it, essentially all the income that comes in counts as my income. Right. And then I can deduct expenses against my income. Yep. Whereas uh, once we incorporated, created an LLC for all intents and purposes, um, it, it, it was in fact its own entity. And, and right. as we did that, shortly after we rebranded, so we went from GD Commerce Inc., GD is obviously my initials, right. um, to Good Commerce Agency. What was that rebranding process? What did that look like for you um, in terms of deciding on a name and deciding on a culture and a fit and really making the business its own thing? Yeah, I, I think like one of the things that I just want to point out about the questions yeah. that it, is that we're making the assumption that it's done. Mm -hmm. And I understand why I understand why we're making those assumptions. Um, but I would argue that it's such a living thing yeah. that is constantly pivoting and constantly changing. Ooh, yeah. That uh, what was that process like? Like we're still in that process. Right. <laughs> we're still in that process, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's just like 
I'm not saying that uh, to attack the questions. It's like more of saying it to, to kind of like for the listeners to kind of re reframe Think. their thing. Yeah. And that it's not like, um, it's not like we started this and then it was done. Right. It's that like, this has been such an ongoing thing and we're moving in the direction uh, of it getting better and um, things becoming more solidified. Yeah. But I think like until you become Nike, <laughs> you know, like you're still, you're still working on it. Right. Um, yeah. But what did that process look like? So the big thing that I wanted to do um, when we incorporated is that I wanted to have an exit strategy. Um, Ooh, yeah. Um, and so it, it wasn't that I don't want to work. It's not that um, it's not anything else. It's just that I want to be able to like pull myself out and know yeah. that this is a function. Right. Yep. Yeah. Like at times I want to pull myself out for a week so I can take a vacation. Um, at times, like I just want to know that if something were to happen to me, like everyone still has their job. That's really like the fun- the fundamental part of this is that I feel right. very responsible for my team. Right. Um, and so I really want to make sure that at the end of the day, uh, they're all taken care of. And yeah, it's it's essentially just like a risk assessment. And how do you like how do you uh, mitigate that risk, essentially? So um, if everything if everything comes back to me, yeah. then there's a huge amount of risk, like having mm-hmm. anything on one person in any company is a huge amount of risk. Yeah. Um, so you have to be able to take yourself out, in my opinion. Yes. Yes. I love that. And so how did you, how did you start to bring that, that branding, that kind of culture into your team and really step into, okay, it's no longer just me here. I'm now being the leader. How did you step into that role and what does that role look like for you now? Yeah, it was slowly. And also all at once, I think like part of it is just kind of like sharing the vision with the team um, and letting them know, like, this is the direction we're going in. I can't tell you that we're going to do this in six months. I can't tell you that we're going to do this in three years. Right. Like this is where we're going. Um, Yeah. So I think like, I I think if we like look at the total journey of, of the story that we've talked about here, we kind of like ended at me hiring uh, copywriters. Um, Right. I, I think like, there were a lot of things along the way. Like there were a lot of part-time people. Um, yeah. And then, so the first, the first catalyst was when I hired my first like full-time person. Was that process a lot different than hiring a contractor? It should have been. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Because I think in those early days, like you, over time you learn so much and you have yeah. to learn by like, either listening to someone or by making mistakes. And for the record, the, the first girl I ever hired, Adriana, was incredible. I loved yeah. her. She was so great. And she was the perfect person for that position at the time. Yeah. Um, and I'm so thankful for her, even to this yeah. day. I'm sure she knows that because I give her great references whenever she asks for them. Um, but yeah, she was absolutely perfect for the role. She was a, a generalist, but she was very good. Like she yes. was able to provide results. That's a good um, role to start with. And that's what, like, I, I know a lot of the, like the big question that everybody asks is like, what's the role? Mm-hmm. Like what's the first role to hire for? And it's just like, look, find out what you're bad at, you know? Right. Um, and like, for me, I can't imagine running ads it mm-hmm. kills me. like even mm-hmm. the concept of it like yeah 
It's such yeah. a no. But I know that ads are so necessary for yeah. businesses to succeed. You cannot do it without them. Not yeah. that's not fully true, but like in the case organic of organic takes a lot more. Yeah. Where like the clients are gonna be looking for an ROI, we need ads. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so she was able to run ads and do them very well. Um, and she was incredible. And then the next, and, and, and Adriana was just a, was just a referral from a friend from university yeah. and all of the people that I had hired up to that point had just been referrals from other people that I knew, or they had been, um, the, or they had been people I knew, like it was yeah. just that kind of situation. Um, yeah. And over time I hired her, I hired this other guy, um, who didn't really work out. And then I had to fire him and then I found out what it was like to fire someone and how much that yeah. sucks. I bet. Yes. And then uh, you would think at that point, my hiring process would be better, but they didn't get better for a long time. I ended up hiring an HR girl yeah. uh, somewhere in 2020. And she built out these incredible HR processes. Um, she was kind of working with me while starting her business. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it was the end of 2019, beginning of, or like, and then throughout 2020. Yeah. Um, but her business was as a counselor. And uh -huh. so uh, that was a good time to be a counselor. So her business yeah. grew very quickly, essentially yeah. overnight. And then she didn't have capacity to help us with our hiring anymore. Yeah. Uh, so then I took it back. So when she was hiring for us, which was really incredible, um, we hired some great people. But you also find out that when you're asking someone else to hire for you, you have to be, I mean, this is, this is true for hiring in general. You have to be so clear about what you need. Oh, and like, yeah. you have to be so like, you have to be so aware of what you need and you have to be so aware of like, what are the pieces um, that are missing from our team. So when we're looking, yeah. at, um, I like to do like a team competencies matrix to see kind yeah. of where are the gaps or like, where are we not as strong? Right. Um, you really have to look at everyone. It's not that you are just looking at like, okay, I need X done. You're like, okay, I need X done. They have to be pretty self-sufficient. They have to be all of these things. Yeah. Um, so that you're making the right hire. And I think like, if we're being honest with one another, I'm fairly transparent, as you might be able to say. I can tell. <laughs> it's just, it's on the floor. I love it, though. That's so, I think that's the way to be. I love it. Um, yeah, I think, like, if we're being honest, I think last year I did a really terrible job of hiring. Yeah. And I look back at that year, and it was painful. Like, it was, yeah. it was painful for us. It was painful for our clients. It was painful for the people who kind of, like, got were brought through that process. And I think it's because I wasn't right. taking the time that I needed to really consider who did we need on the team? Like, what did I need from them? Um, and I also think that potentially, and I don't know this for sure, but like when I look back and think about like, where did things go wrong? I think like, I, th I think I was selling working at GDC in a way that, that wasn't a great source of truth. Um, so often when we're talking about brand, brand guides, um, we, we like to talk about whether or not it's actually a source of truth for the brand because people mm -hmm. will bring these brand guides. Um, and it's just like, oh, this is, this is what I want things to look like. But then you look at their website and that's not a reflection of their website mm -hmm. or you look at their packaging. It's not a reflection. 
And I think about that for how I speak, how, how I had been speaking about working yeah. in commerce, because in actuality, it's an agency, right? So it's yeah. tough. It's not an easy job. And it's not a nine to five where people are able to kind of like clock in and clock out. Mm. And so I think I had these kind of, so last year was a big, for additional context, last year was a big year in the sense that like, I didn't want any more people to be part-time. I wanted everybody to be full-time. Right. Um, And so I wanted to be able to offer these, um, yeah, full-time roles with benefits, whatever, so that people felt fully taken care of so they can just focus on the clients. They can just focus on the work that I'm giving them. Um, Because I find with contractors, it's hard because you don't know what else they're working on, what are their priorities they have. And ultimately, like, I think that the clients can feel that. And so that's not ideal for us. Right. Um, So that was kind of the shift in terms of like wanting to have everybody be full time and and kind of prioritize that. Um, But I think in doing that, I kind of like painted this really rosy picture of like, we want to take care of you and like, and um, like, we absolutely do care about your mental health and we absolutely do care about you. and at the end of the day, it's also a business. We have to make sure the work is getting done for our clients. We also right. have to make sure that this is profitable. Like there are there are things um, that often conflict with one another. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just did a really terrible job of hiring last year. Um, we had one role in particular that we have had in in a in I think like nine months we'd had four different people in that role. Oh yeah. Yep. Oof, oof, indeed. I've been in businesses though that have that too. And it's really, it's, it, I found that, I don't know what role it was, but I found that, you know, the sales roles, the setter roles, those are hard to fit, fill, yeah. trying to find people that are good fits for the company and the expectations yeah. are met and everything like that. Yeah. For us, it was the copywriter role. Interesting. I, I love that copywriting keeps coming up here. For us, it was the copywriter role. And it was because I had the same copywriter for so long. So the guy yeah. from Small Business BC, yeah. um, he had been our copywriter and he had just been doing it freelance, um, part time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, he had gotten a promotion at work where he wasn't he didn't have capacity to do freelance anymore. Yeah. Um, so we went from having him to not having him. And of course, like that promotion for him happened very quickly, but it meant that yeah. we had kind of like this gap. And at yeah. the time we had taken on, we had taken on a huge client that required a lot of strategy that required a lot of mm-hmm. copywriting all up front. Um, and so then we had this person start who I think for a lot of, for a lot of um, reasons, they were an absolute perfect fit. I loved yeah. their copywriting. It was so engaging. I loved their like consideration for strategy it was, it was so thorough and there were, there was always like so much reasoning for why they were writing things. Um, But I think because I had, I had had the lens of like working with a freelancer, I hadn't considered in from a creative role standpoint that when you hire someone full-time, you're not going to get full-time output. So Mm. hiring someone full-time they're on salary, but it's not like you're going to get 37 and a half or 40 hours a week of output from them. Oh, it's not going to work the same way. As yes. Since they're paid longer term. 
instead of based off of like the 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 work the projects the hours that they're giving yeah well and, and it's also just like the type of person like the type of person who shows up day in and day out is just and that isn't actually completely true but i guess it's just like you can't have freelancer output for 37 and a half hours a week it's just like hmm. it's impossible like for you to have impactful billable work for every hour that you're at work it's just not possible why is that um, well, there are meetings that are involved uh, from a creative standpoint in particular, a, a lot of creative work, uh, you need to walk away from it and come back to it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's true for copywriters. I think that's true for designers. Um, right. you, you can ask a designer to sit there and like do 30 hours of bill, billable work per week. Uh, but they part of the time that they take is just like stepping away and thinking about it like in the shower or on a walk or during a bike right. ride. And so it's almost like you're you're paying for those filler hours when yeah. you're, when you're hiring someone on, on salary. Yeah. Um, but I still feel better about it from a logistics standpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's necessarily true for all roles, but I but I also think that like one of the things that they said at Shopify was you have six creative hours in a day, like give us five in the sense that like if you just do impactful work for five hours a day, you've done your job. Yeah. And from um, from a certain standpoint, I agree with that in the sense mm -hmm. that like I'm not a stickler for somebody showing up seven and a half hours a day in the event that they're able to like, like push out really great work. Um, but it's true. Like you're not going to like, you simply don't have capacity to sit there and do incredible work for eight hours a day. Yeah. And people right. who are trying to do that to themselves, like it's rough. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I appreciate you walking me through essentially that. No, I love it. That journey of like the process of bringing on people and learning about it and just being willing to share, you know, the mistakes that you did make with your hiring and you recognizing that and now improving upon that. Because I think that this is something that's normal, but something that uh, just because we're human, we tend to avoid because failure sucks. And it's really unfortunate to have to go through that and to have a business and to, you know, not hire the right person and anything like that. So I think that that story is very impactful and helpful for anybody who's going through that process or is looking to go through that process because then they can look at it and go, okay, like these ups and downs are going to come. And by me recognizing the weaknesses that I do have and recognizing that, okay, there's more to be considered than just the work that I need done. There has to be considered that the type of person, um, how long you want them working for, what kind of role you're wanting them to fill, I yes. think is really important to consider. So I appreciate all of that. And I, I guess my last question to you before we finish up for today is what would be the first steps that you would recommend somebody does in order to go from being entrepreneur to business owner? They've made that decision. They want to move there, but they're kind of stuck. What would be those one to three tips that you would give somebody that they could do today to make that shift? Yeah, I think, um, I think understanding your financials is the most important thing that you can mm. do about your business. Yeah. I think, um, like as a CEO, which like is your new role as a business owner, um, 
the number one thing is making sure that the money works. Yeah. Um, and so we want to start thinking about retained earnings. So um, instead of paying yourself out the entire salary, um, what can you retain within the business? What percentage of that is getting reinvested into the business versus right. keeping as a bit of a buffer? Because yeah. the more you are keeping as a buffer, uh, the more risk you're going to be able to uh, to take on within your business. Right. Um, and, and that looks like salaries and things like that. And I think like Bill Gates, for example, like when he started Microsoft, um, kept an entire year's worth of salaries yeah. um, for everybody at the at the business. And so, yeah. like having those retained earnings to be able to to take those risks and take them confidently is going to be better. Um, I think one thing that we haven't talked about a lot is is confidence. Um, and so, like, I believe that you build your confidence by um, by like pushing yourself a little bit harder every single time. Yeah. Uh, I recognize that I um, like the, the struggles I'm dealing with today uh, are often bigger versions of the struggles I dealt with at the very, very beginning when I was a solar printer. Yeah. Um, and I think like scale kind of scares people a lot because they're like, yes. oh God, there's an extra zero here. But in fact, right. like, if you're in a position to be dealing with an extra zero, we just need to look at the first number and then yeah. deal with the problem accordingly. Um, because like zeros don't matter. Right. Uh, so whether you're uh, whether you're a solopreneur, just like identifying like what's the root of the problem, and then how are you going to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Like yeah, putting in any processes that are required. Every time something comes up, just create a process around it. And yeah. I know in my early days, I was just like, well, it doesn't really matter what the process is because it's just like whoever is working on it can fix it. But like if you put in the time in those early days, uh, I guess we're on to number three now. If, um, so build up your confidence by like screwing up and then fixing it. And then yeah. number three is like building in those processes as early as possible. Yes. Um, and it doesn't matter what the process is. You just need to make a decision. You also yeah. need to get used to making those decisions. Um, and also you need to learn how to figure out how to deal with decision fatigue, um, which sometimes I just call my it's friend. Real. <laughs> it is real. <laughs> doesn't have like she doesn't own a business and I say like here are your decisions for today like a or b a or b a or b and then yeah. she'll she'll choose and I'll be like check 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 yeah they wow. don't matter like yeah. like in the grand scheme of things whatever decision you make doesn't matter you just have to make a decision and then you'll either fail or you'll succeed and then you'll keep going yeah um, which like I know you haven't asked me for this but the other thing I just want to say is that like um People, people wonder kind of um, what is it that makes a business successful or, yeah. or and it's literally just keep to keep going. So yeah. like if, if somebody's in the position where there's a solopreneur and they want to, they want to get, um, they, they want to be a business owner and they want to make all these changes. It can seem so daunting. It can seem so easy to kind of like, you know, give up or, or, look for something else to do and in fact like the times where you want to give up are the times you have to kind of double down yeah oh <laughs> man i love that thank you so so much this has been an amazing podcast where can people find you if they want to connect with you if they want to learn more about what you do um and just be a part of your world 
<laughs> I have to get water. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Too much talking. Sorry. <laughs> um, great. Do you want to ask again or do you yes. want me to take it up? I'll ask again. So where can people uh, find you? Where can they go if they want to be a part of your world and uh, potentially work with you and your company? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram. It's the easiest way to get in touch with us. It's Good Commerce Agency. Um, if you have any interest in working here, make sure you follow us on LinkedIn. Um, good Commerce there as well. And uh, yeah, if if you just reach out to us on Instagram, let them know you want to chat with Gabby and uh, and I'll show up. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish up for today? I think like, I think the thing for everyone listening to this to keep in mind is that like, if they're listening to this, um, they've already done the first part, like it's already that they have an interest in doing better. Um, and we just, I just want to see them kind of like match that with, um, with the dedication by like putting in the, putting in the work and yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah. thank you so much. I truly appreciate your time today. Let's go ahead and cue that outro clip. Beautiful. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Business Shift, where we chat about no-nonsense insights and strategies to help you transform your online business into a successful empire. If you or someone you know is an online business owner and are looking to increase the retention and ascension of their programs and outsource their fulfillment, I would love to connect. You can connect with us at yourclientsuccess.com. Until next time, keep shifting your business towards success.